Scaling Up Nation, if you've been following my favorite books, you know Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich is among them. In this book, he analyzed what successful people had in common, and one of these commonalities that he noted was successful people meet with other successful people. He then coined that meeting a mastermind. Folks, life is too hard to do it alone, and that is exactly what most of us are doing. Starting in early 2020, I will be launching our own mastermind called Rising Tide. The Rising Tide Mastermind is made up of small groups of individuals with the focus on helping each other succeed. These groups will include weekly video calls designed to solve key issues, quarterly book discussions with action plans, quarterly one-to-ones with me, a live event, and so much more. I've personally been a member of a mastermind for years, and I know how key being in a mastermind has been for my own success. And because of that, I know how key a group like this can be in your success. The Rising Tide Mastermind is currently accepting applications. We have very limited spots, so go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to set up a 15-minute call with me to see if this is the key to your next level of success. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters, where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hi, everybody. Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O. And folks, can you believe it? It is December already. Where did this year go? It seemed like it has flown by and I hope it didn't catch you off guard. Last year, I took you inside some of the items that I do for planning. I believe that life is there to teach us how to do it better when we get a second chance at bat. And folks, if the year did not go the way that you were hoping that it should go this year, well, learn from this year's lessons and figure out what you need to do next year. But don't just focus on the bad stuff because I know for a fact there was plenty of good stuff that also happened in your year. Make that a lesson too. Why did some of these items that happen happen so well to us what in life allowed that to happen? And what lesson can we take from those successes to make some of the other things that we're trying to do successful as well? When I meet people that are so discouraged because they did not get one of their primary goals accomplished in whatever time frame it was, nine times out of 10, it is because they didn't fully plan with their life in mind. Folks, if you think you are going to take some gigantic task that you want to get accomplished and you don't prioritize all the other areas of your life that are pulling on you, your family, your job, all the other things that you do, well, folks, if you're not paying attention to that, there's no wonder that those things get in the way. So figure out how you plan with those things and figure out how you can get those things to work to your advantage so you can get the important things that you've decided that you want to get done, done. Now, one of the things that I always plan each and every year is to read and learn new items. Folks, I love to learn new things because there is so much stuff out there that I just don't know. And when I learn something, I love to apply that in what I am doing to see how I can improve my life. Well, folks, I have found something this year. I did not set out to find this, but because of certain events that I had attended, I met this incredible person named Kathleen Edelman. 
And she wrote a book called I Said This, You Heard That. Now, at this seminar, I wasn't planning really to learn anything. I just went to socialize, but she was speaking exactly what I needed to hear because earlier that week, I had had a conversation with somebody that I really cared about, and that conversation did not go well. They misinterpreted my words and thought that I was saying something that I never meant to say. And her book, aptly named, I Said This, You Heard That, What I Said, They Heard Something Completely Different. And folks, I do not mind telling you, the Scaling Up Nation, we are all friends, that I get misunderstood a lot. I will have very good intentions, but somehow it doesn't play out well after it leaves my mouth. I didn't know why that was until I read Kathleen's book, I Said This, You Heard That. And Kathleen allowed me to realize that I see things through a certain paradigm. That might sound familiar. It's very much like the seven habits of highly effective people. You know that that is one of my favorite books. It is by far the number one book that I give away. I give away about 40 copies every year. Uh, I actually didn't realize it was that many until I went back and looked at my Amazon account. I normally order 20 at a time, and here we are in the year, and I've actually ordered 20. I'm in my third batch of ordering, so I've given away 40, and I think I'm halfway through the last 20 that I ordered. Anyway, the reason I bring that up is because she taught me how I should have been teaching people, including myself, the habits. And specifically, the habit I'm talking about is habit five. Seek first to understand before you are understood. But Kathleen has a way of explaining things to make things extremely easy so you now know how you can get there with somebody. And I don't want to take away the entire interview. And in this interview, you can hear how excited I am to speak with Kathleen Folks, if I can name one of the most important things that I did this year in 2019, it was learning about what she teaches, which is, of course, temperaments. And that might be a word that you've never heard before. That might be a word that you've heard and you equate it with some sort of personality assessment. Well, we're going to talk about all of those things. And you will also hear that Kathleen has just helped me incredibly with some circumstances that I have been going through by not being able to communicate with people well. And I have a podcast. How ironic is that? You trace, you can't communicate with people well. Well, again, I would say something and other people would hear something else. And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. So please welcome Kathleen Edelman to the Scaling Up podcast. And folks, I know you are going to love this interview. My lab partner today is Kathleen Edelman. And Kathleen, I am so excited about this interview. <laughs> I am too, as well. And, and we've had some scheduling difficulties, yes. but you're finally here. Yes. We're, we're, we're talking to the Scaling Up Nation about how awesome it is what you do. And I know we're going to talk about how it's been able to help me. But I know the audience is wondering, okay, Trace, what are you talking about? <laughs> so do you mind sharing with the Scaling Up Nation what it is that you do? Well, what I do and what I've done for decades is uh, my background's in communication. And then I came across probably about 28, almost 30 years ago, temperaments. And I noticed that these were things that would really affect communication. So I decided I was going to learn everything I could about temperaments and how they affected or helped communication. And it has been a game changer. So for decades, I marry up communication with how God wired you and found out that you really do communicate out of your wiring. So that's what I do every single day is help people speak more kindly to each other. 
And you definitely do help people with that. I am one of the people that you have helped so much. And there's no secret, I am a big fan of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, it's one of my favorite books. I'm a facilitator with that. And I do really well teaching it. But when I get to Habit 5, seek first to understand before <laughs> you're understood, I've always had difficulty with that. Yes. And then you came along. Oh. When I teach the seven habits of highly effective people now, we weave in your temperament. Wonderful. And it fits so well. And we probably should back up a little bit because we're using the word temperament. Exactly. And I know people out there are thinking, okay, I understand personality assessments. They might have right. had to take them for their right. job. And those are Myers-Briggs. There's DISC. DISC strength uh, Finders, Enneagram. So all these things are out there. And now we add the word temperament to it. Correct. What does all that mean? Well, it's fascinating, too, because almost Every hiring process now has some kind of assessment. And even the CIA does one called Hogan, I believe the name of it is. And um, what they're trying to do is they're trying to find strengths and weaknesses in who they're going to hire or, or put on their team. But really, what we have to realize is temperaments is how you're innately designed. They have been researched and documented as far back as Hippocrates which was hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth. So they're thousands of years old. And what he studied was how people naturally responded in different situations. And they would fall into four different categories. So the temperaments are sanguine, choleric, phlegmatic, and melancholy. So those are the names that were given about 60 AD by a physician called, his name was Gallen. And what you're hearing when you see DISC and Strength Finders and Myers-Briggs, all these are spun off of the temperaments, but their personality. So temperament is innate wiring from God. It is your voice print, your fingerprint, your hair color, your eye color. It's unchangeable. But personality is evolving. Personality is birth order, culture, religion, life experience. So what happens is when you're up in that personality realm, these are great tools, but, but Trace, what they're doing is they're telling you about you. When you go down foundationally to the temperaments, not only do you realize how you communicate and the core between the motivation of the things you do, but it also helps you understand the person in front of you. It's the only thing that really helps you understand another person clearly. And then that changes communication across the board. So temperament is the foundation of all those other things. And actually will make them more workable, just like your seven habits, right? Now that you know the temperaments, you're using that wonderful tool much better, right? And much more effectively. So the metaphor that comes in my mind is an iceberg. Uh -huh. Would, is it safe to say that the temperaments are that huge chunk of ice that's below the waterline? That's a great word picture. And, and, yeah. and the personalities are the small piece that exactly. we see. Exactly. And I mean, this is so impactful. I have seen marriages change overnight. I've seen parent-children relationships restored. I've seen business teams completely change the direction of their ship. Just by understanding these aha moments that go off that give grace, like now I see why they think that way. Or now I see they're not trying to do something that I thought or what my perspective was. You see, so much clarity and grace comes with understanding the foundation of the temperaments. With the personality assessments, and uh -huh. I'm familiar with Myers-Briggs. Okay. Depending on the mood that I'm in, I'm either an ISTJ or an ESTJ. Can personalities can obviously change based on situations. Yes, they're constantly moving. What about temperaments? Temperaments are unchangeable. And this is where you'll get pushback. I mean, you'll get people, you know, don't put me in a box, don't label me. But there's usually only one temperament that'll say that. And it's the choleric or the red. They really don't like to be and put in a box. because they, that's my temperament. Yes, exactly. Yes. I'm kind of pointing right at you. In my office, I do this step ladder. And the first thing is acceptance. Accepting how God wired you you will realize that you've always been a certain way. Maybe you've tried to be something different at work or people have told you to be a different way or people have said you're too bossy or you're too loud and, and you have felt like you've had to be different. But the core of how you've handled and seen the world and the words that you've used 
and your innate needs have consistently been the same. So what I love people to do is get to that acceptance level first. And then once we're there and we go, okay, now I get what my temperament is, then we can go to awareness and then application. And then my favorite place to land is authenticity. I mean, that's truly my goal is for everybody to be the best version of themselves authentically. But you have to understand your temperament first. Well, let's talk about understanding the temperaments because you use some really big words. Yeah. <laughs> Phlegmatic, sanguine, choleric, right. and melancholic. Okay, what the heck are those things? And then I, I'm assuming you put colors with those because that's easier to understand. Yes, those can be a mouthful. And I a lot of times work with children. So that was my first thing to put them with color because if you've ever seen a three or five year old try to say phlegmatic, you know, it's, it can be I comical. Can <laughs> most, yeah, most adults can. And it's just easier to understand. So the yellow is sanguine, the red is choleric, the melancholic is blue, and the phlegmatic is green. And when you look at a chart, like in the book I said this, you heard that, there's a chart. Each one sits in the chart in a very specific way so that you can understand the reason behind why they do what they do. So the, on the top of the chart is the yellow and the red. They're on the top of the chart because they're extroverts. And that does not mean they like to be around a lot of people. That means their thoughts and emotions go outward. These people have no filter. You know, they just say stuff, right? You, yes, we do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? You, I can see you're doing everything you can to not interrupt, right? And to just, <laughs> just take over. But their thoughts and emotions go outward. So these are people who talk before they think. Okay, and the blues and the greens are on the bottom of the chart because they're introverts. And again, this doesn't mean that they don't like to be around people. This means that their thoughts and emotions go inward. The I happen to be a blue green. Um, so I process things. I, I think before I talk. So that is very important when you're talking about communication. Because when you talk about the chart side to side, the blue and the red are above each other. They're on the right side of the chart. And the right side of the chart represents task-oriented people. These are people who want objectivity. They want a reason behind what they're doing. They will pick truth over tact every day of the week. Where the yellow and the green, who are on the left side of the chart, are people-oriented. So they're going to want harmony. They're going to want connectability. They want people to be happy together. You know, what they want the benefit of the team, okay? So right there, you think, uh, what's very important I want you to think about is most of the green people are introverts that like to be around people. So we, in communication, we have to understand these dynamics because then it makes more sense when you have somebody that wants to be a part of the group but yet doesn't say a lot of stuff, right? They're very quiet people. So this chart is extremely important. It sounds simple, but extremely important foundationally for communication. Kathleen, what is unique about each one of the temperaments? Well, that's a great question because we talked about how the chart is set up in, in introverts and in extroverts, task versus people. But what I would love to start with is each temperament has something very unique about them that no other temperament shares. So for example, the sanguine yellow, they absolutely see the best in people first. They see the best in people and the best in circumstances first. No other temperament does that like the yellow. The red, this is somebody you can throw a big net and see a vision as clear as clear can be. Again, nobody does that like a red. The blues, what's unique to them is they, they've heard a lot in their life that they point out the negatives, but really what they're doing is they're anticipating the obstacles. So for example, you're a red and I'm a blue. You're very good at seeing from A to B and seeing B as a goal. I'm very good at seeing every obstacle between A and B. So again, if we put together what's unique about you and I, we're going to be victorious every time. Do you see? A good example of that is, is how we work in my company. 
I always felt something was wrong with me because I get so excited about the vision. Yeah. But the day to day, I don't like being there. <laughs> However, I have somebody who loves being there and we're a great team. And they're able to point out and say, did you see this? I know you're, you know, a week out, but did you notice this, this, and this might have to be addressed before we get there? Exactly. Exactly. Right. And then when you, what's unique about the green is their, their ability to be calm in the midst of chaos. This is somebody who's just, no matter how chaotic it can be, they just have an innate calmness about them. So knowing what's unique to each temperament, I think is a good place to start before you get into the descriptive words of a temperament. And you say most people have a primary and a secondary temperament. When you and I were speaking at an earlier session, I asked you what my secondary was. And I think you leaned over and said, sweetie, you don't have a secondary. <laughs> but most people do. Exactly. Exactly. And you might sit very deep in your dominant temperament and light in your second. But you are both your dominant and your secondary all the time. So one question I get a lot is, well, I'm, I'm red at work, but I'm blue at home. And that really isn't where I want people to understand because you cannot really separate. That'd be like cutting your arm off and leaving it at work, right? Your, your combination is constant. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to live out of the strengths of both those dominant and secondaries all the time because that's where your calling and purpose is. It's in the strengths of those temperaments, not in the weaknesses. You said your ultimate goal is to get people into acceptance of these temperaments. How does somebody get there? The first thing is just to do the assessment and answer truthfully and really have a desire to be the best person version of them, right? You know, again, we have to separate are we in flesh where we're doing things on our own, which sometimes will definitely you're in your weaknesses at that point. But when you're in your weaknesses, you also are looking side to side, like maybe I should be better at this, or maybe, you know, that person's such a good leader, you know, maybe I need to be more like him. Instead of landing in your strengths of your own temperament and realizing all temperaments can be a good leader in the core of who they are. All temperaments can be funny in the core of who they are. All of them can be kind. All of them can be thoughtful because you're going to do everything from the core of your temperament anyway, right? And there won't be that conflict of what, what's wrong with me? Like, what, why can't I do this like that guy or that girl, right? Well, and that was very eye-opening for me because as we pointed out a couple of times, I'm, I'm very red. Uh-huh. And I see things from the red paradigm. That's exactly right. And I would see somebody else do something that looked effortless to me. Why couldn't I do that? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I talk to them, they say, well, you're able to do these things so well, that's hard for me. Exactly. And again, when you know your temperament, you have your own set of strengths. You know, you have to know your weaknesses in order to know your strengths. And that's another pushback that people don't, they're like, why do we have to talk about our weaknesses? But um, you have to know your weaknesses in order to, you wouldn't know you were a good leader unless you knew you could be bossy, right? This is true. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the whole idea. So you mentioned weaknesses, and, and I have to tell you, when we go through the list of weaknesses, I think some of those weaknesses really aren't really weaknesses. Yeah. But <laughs> well, that's, that's the red in you, right? <laughs> so, so what are, uh, let's talk about the characteristics. You mentioned some of the strengths. I know there are a lot more, but there are also some other things that go along when we are yeah. uh, a particular color. So well, what are those? Well, the first thing that we, we do is the descriptive words of the strengths and weaknesses, but this, it would be a loss for me if people described people only in their descriptive words. This is, this is just a tool so that you can learn to stay in your strengths. So, for example, just to give a few, yellows are inspiring. They're encouraging. They're great storytellers. But they can interrupt. They can be loud and obnoxious. They can be compulsive talkers. So for the yellow, in order to know that they're good storytellers or to know that they're inspiring, they have to know those weaknesses. I have a little exercise in the book that says, I have a tendency to. So when you apply that and you go, I have a tendency to interrupt, but I'm going to show curiosity, that empowers that yellow to stay in their strengths, which is where they're going to be magnetic where they're going to be a good leader, where they're going to be funny and kind and thoughtful. But you have to be so aware. In your, first, you were accepting yourself. Now you're aware. 
and then you can apply these kind of things. So for the red, um, this is a person that's driven, they're independent, they delegate well, they excel in emergencies, but they can also be bossy, impatient, intolerant of other people. And so just like the red, I have a tendency to be bossy, but I'm going to choose to delegate well. It's really what the circumstance requires of you at that time. But if you're a red, you're absolutely wired for these wonderful strengths. The blue, um, they're analytical, they're logical, they're compassionate, they're artistic, they're creative, but they can also be critical, moody, skeptical, right? So again, you have to know your weakness side of flesh in order to know your calling side, which is in your strengths. And then the green, this is a kind, thoughtful, stable person, great listener, great leader of people, um, but they can be unenthusiastic. They can be really have no sense of urgency. I'm married to this person, so I know. Um, and so again, knowing where you can be pulled to, I have a tendency to, and replace that with the strengths will also make so much more sense when we get to what what separates me from personality, which is innate needs. But you have to know these descriptive words foundationally in order to go, oh, now I see what I'm trying to fill when I pick one of these things, which is the innate needs. And I had no idea how much I needed these innate needs that you call them until I started processing, why am I so upset about this? Exactly. And it was, it truly was magic. I understood myself so much better. So I could start playing to my strengths. Yes. And when things weren't going the way I knew that I wanted them to go, I now had tools to do something about yeah, it. You, you, you were able, hopefully, to what I call initiate the pause and realize, why am I being bossy? Well, you know what? Let's talk about innate needs. Each temperament has their own set. So for the yellows, the innate needs are approval, acceptance, attention, and affection. For the reds, the, the choleric, it's loyalty, sense of control, appreciation, and credit for work. For the blue, it's safety, which is huge, sensitivity, support, space, and silence. And for the green, it's harmony, feeling of worth, lack of stress, and respect. So Trace, I'm, I'm telling you, that is the game changer. If, you, if your listeners do not listen to anything else in this whole podcast, those innate needs are going to change every conversation, the direction of their life. Just like you said, it was magic because now you can understand why. Why am I being so moody? What, what is it that I'm trying to fill here? Why am I being so judgmental? Well, I'm trying to fill this innate need of sensitivity, but I'm doing it with my weaknesses. So I can choose to do it with my strengths. And, and let's talk about that. So let's talk about each one of the colors. Maybe we take an example. Okay. And how that person now is not getting what they need mm -hmm. and will insert the pause. Okay, I'm not going to go to my weaknesses. I'm going to go towards my strengths. Right. And I'll tell you, I've got yeah, an example. I can so, tell. Uh, I can, you're uh, on the edge can, of your chair. Start, we can start with <laughs> <I> can red. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I planned a trip. Okay. And the trip went great. Uh, my wife was on the trip. She's actually in the room. She's okay. laughing because she knows the story <laughs> that I was going to tell. And, and again, you came to me and said, sweetie, you don't have a secondary yeah. color. I am a red with a secondary of red. Uh, and I'm a planner. Yes. I am a checklist person. You're a bottom line kind Kathleen, of guy. I have a checklist to write a checklist. There you go. To make sure we get yeah. the checklist yeah. right. So I had a checklist for this trip and I had somebody that was helping me lead the trip. Okay. And I was doing most of the work, but I had a couple things that this person was doing. Gave them the checklist, gave them rosters. I mean, we had paperwork, all this stuff. Yeah. So um, they didn't follow it. Oh, and I just, I mean, I don't think anybody knew what was going on in my head, but that bothered me more than anything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know why it was upsetting me. And, and, and my lovely bride, Stacy, pointed out, you don't have a sense of control with this. Yes. And I don't think until that point I understood what you meant by sense of control. Yes. Because I'm not a micromanager. Nope. I'm not a control freak. Yeah. But I need to know that everybody understands a plan and they're following the plan. Yes. 
And once I understood that, yeah. I was able to accept it. Yes. And I was actually able to enjoy the moment. Yeah. But that was so powerful for me. That's a fabulous story because I love the fact that you picked sense of control because it's the one that's misunderstood the most in the red. Okay. So there's, again, loyalty's huge, sense of control, appreciation, credit for work. Everybody, when the red is in their weakness, they can be very controlling and they do it a lot of time with tone and volume. And they just really, they can be scary to other people, um, especially blues like myself. But what is the misconception with a sense of control is, is that you want to be in control. What I want to help people understand about reds is most reds do not want to be in charge. They do not want to be in control. They want everybody following the plan and pulling their own weight. So if I say to you, I'm going to do something and I know you're red, I want to love you better by doing it to show you loyalty and sense of control. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going to pull my own weight, that's going to fill that part of that innate need for you. So that's what you saw was when they didn't start pulling their own weight and following the plan, your sense of control was going astray. And I bet what you felt was what? Well, I had to now get control. Yeah. I, I, had to, I, I, I had to fill a void. Yeah, you had to step in and fix it. You had to take charge. This is why I think the innate needs are, I'm so passionate about them, is because the one thing I've heard over three decades that this, this understanding has taught people is not only about the other person, but how wrong our perception of the other temperaments can be. We perceive cholerics as always wanting control, always wanting to be in charge, when really, truly, that's not what most Reds want to be. They want you doing what you're supposed to do, and so that everybody's pulling their own weight. You see, I, I really want to change that perception of what we've created just looking through our own lens. And I can definitely speak to that as, as a Red. If things are going well, uh -huh. I, don't, I don't have to be in charge. And, and I really don't want to be there. Yeah. I want to enjoy things just like other people and experience the moment. Some of your strengths are, though, is you're great at building other people up because you're very good at delegating. And you're very good at being a leader that goes before people and kind of like machetes the way for other people to be successful. So when you're in your weaknesses or people are percepting that you want to be in control, it keeps you back from being all that you can possibly be. Do you see? So that's why it's so important even for me to understand the innate needs. I don't have a drip of red in me, but it's, in, it's important for me to know them so that I can speak a language that you can hear and I can do what, again, what really is the whole motivation of what I do, and that's Ephesians 4.29 which we haven't talked about, but it's do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, only what builds others up according to their needs and benefit all who listen. But how do you know what another's needs are? My favorite thing that you say uh -huh. is your words are a gift that you give other people. And, and we talked about how, you know, the understanding of, of me and when people can do that to me, that's a gift that other people give me. And what I'm learning through you is how to do that through other people. And, and that's why I feel it fits so well in the seven habits of highly effective people and habits four, five, and six, four is think win-win. Well, that's okay. I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about us and we're going to do what's the best for us thinking win-win thinking that, okay, now I have an opportunity to give my words as a gift. Yes. Habit five, how do I choose the right words? Because I can say exactly what I'm thinking, but they're not the right words for you to hear. Exactly. And then through that habit six synergy, we're going to create something bigger with the two of us right. than we could by ourselves. Yes, because you have three other temperaments that have a whole set of innate strengths that they can bring to the table. So for the yellow, attention, approval, affection, you know, acceptance, what's misconstrued in their innate needs is attention. So we want to put on them that they want to be center stage all the time. So if you want to do some of the steps that you just said to be effective, you know, you want the yellow to also bring all their strengths into this, that what you're trying to create. We have to understand that really what a yellow wants is you to stop what they're doing, stop what you're doing and make direct eye contact with them. 
and listen to their stories. These are verbal processing people. So when you stay on your phone and go, yeah, just tell me, go ahead, just tell me. They're literally that part of their innate needs. They're what I call their love tank is just going right. They're going to be louder. They're going to get more obnoxious. They're going to be jumping around. They're trying to get your attention. That's what they might do if they start picking their weaknesses instead of staying in their strengths and saying, hey, I really do have a good story or I'm very curious about this. If you're not ready to hear it now, maybe I'll come back in about five minutes. So the responsibility of this communication, again, isn't just on the listener, but it's also on the person. But we have to remember in communication, most of it lands on the shoulders of the listener. So we have to make sure we're identifying that person we're talking to and making sure that, like you said, they're hearing what you're saying. And and what you said was huge. Can you repeat that about the responsibility of the listener? Oh, in, in communications, it's hands down that most of the communication always lands on the listener, not the person speaking. Because when you say something, I'm going to hear it out of my temperament. That's why the cover of the books, I said this, you heard that, right? But I can initiate a pause and I can say, oh, Trace, I don't, I don't know if you meant it like that. This is how I took it. Let's make sure we're on the same page. You know, I want to make sure that I even speak back to you in a language that you can hear. And eventually, hopefully, people, be, that's why I say the art of communication. It does land on the listener, But when you are the speaker, the first one to speak, I want you to pause as well and think about the person that you're speaking to. Because then, what I call, you can eliminate the gray area. So you're speaking life words, but also the listener can then pause and go, okay, hmm, did I hear that exactly like they intended it to come in? See, we have to be able to paradigm shift like you talked about earlier. If I just leave my blue glasses on, I'm not going to necessarily understand what you say out of your red words. Oh, I've got so many questions for you, yeah. Kathleen. We, we just, we're yeah. just not going to have enough time. Yeah. We're going to have to get you to come back where we were just talking about what to do after the pause. Yes, yes. But l- let's talk about the other items with, yeah. with the other colors. So we, we spent a lot of time on, the red, the, on and, the red. And the yellow, we talked about that. And the blue, it, the one, uh, safety's huge. But sensitivity is the one that's most misunderstood because we are sensitive people because we're emotional and we're compassionate, right? Even though we're very reserved and private. So there's a misunderstanding that comes into the blue. We we literally, for all the blues listening, um, I'm with you, I'm blue. We feel odd, like we just don't quite fit in, right? So sensitivity for a blue is really that we just feel like we're understood, So if you and I are talking, if I don't feel understood, I'm going to take a direct hit to sensitivity. And then hopefully, if I pick a weakness, it could be moody, right? But if I pick a strength, that's where, again, I can come back and revisit. I'm all about the revisit, which can be maybe episode three. But sensitivity just means I just want you to understand what, what I'm saying. If you understand me and I feel that we're on the same page and you understood what I said, you don't even have to agree with me. As a blue, we don't really have to be agreed with. We just want to be understood. So again, it's in that innate needs, you know, safety, sensitivity, support, and space and silence. For the green, harmony, feeling of worth, lack of stress, and respect. I think respect is the one that really is misunderstood because they're so quiet, but it really falls on both sides. In my office, I work with greens to advocate for themselves because they have great opinions and ideas. But it really also falls on the shoulders of the green to speak up because they have great ideas and opinions and interests, right? But respect to a fellow green, if you find out that your spouse or your child or a work person is green, is to ask them, hey, you're kind of quiet and we're talking about this plan. Do you have any ideas? Would you like to put anything on the table? And a green will tell you. Oh, yeah, actually, I was thinking, right? Or, and if they don't, they'll go, nope, I'm good. And I can think of some boards that I've served on where now I realize that these were green individuals and they didn't say a lot, but when they started speaking, it just really gave you insight about what we were talking about. Yeah, because they're also, remember, introverts. 
So they're processors. So they're thinking. So the best thing you can do in a business world for a blue or a green is never put them on the spot. You know, send an email out a week before or something. These are the topics of, that are going to be in the meeting. You know, if you would like to bring any ideas or opinions in there, you know, they'll be welcomed. That gives, gives me as a blue time to prepare. And it gives a green time to be not be caught off guard or put on the spot, right? Because um, neither of those temperaments will, will step up usually. They'll usually withdraw if they're put on the spot. But again, the green has great ideas and, and great opinions. They're just not usually asked or they just usually don't advocate for themselves. And as a red, I see that as lazy, Yes. I did. You did. I don't now, but immediately I would go there. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you acting on this? And then I would start giving advice (laughs) and that would completely shut (laughs) them down. Yeah. And they even took, withdrew more, right? Because inside they're thinking, why is he pushing me? You know, stop pushing me. That's where the understanding of the temperaments have the aha moments is because people don't want to be put in a box or they don't want to be labeled but you're innately going to respond a certain way. And when a red pushes on a green like that, a green's first response usually is to withdraw and to dig in their heels. They're not necessarily afraid of you. In fact, they're the most stubborn and strong-willed on the board, and they will push in those heels, and it'll be very difficult to get them to move. So it's, again, that innate response that people have that you it's unchangeable I mean you just can't change it but the perceptions like you just said so honestly most greens that are quiet are perceived as lazy these aren't lazy people in fact they're very intelligent people and again that is what is so incredible about what you have brought in very simplistic language so so many people can understand and do something with it. Uh-huh. We do misunderstand yes. other temperaments because we see it through our own and we act through our own and our words are through our own and we're not getting to that synergy that we're talking about. And now you've given us such a clear pathway to get there. Well, I've told you before, you've heard me say it probably a zillion, million times from the stage or in my office, the one thing that all the temperaments share is selfishness. And we really, my goal is hopefully to get people to move from selfishness to servitude, to just take that pause for a minute, know how you speak, know the words you speak, but to honor the person you're speaking to and take off whatever glasses you have on and put on theirs. Don't become them. You cannot be, I can't become red. I'm not wired to be red, but I can love you better by speaking words, fulfilling loyalty, sense of control, appreciation, and credit for work. That's my choice. That's on me. I can speak those words, right? And so we all can. And I think that's what's so liberating. We have the choice. We have it. And when we choose not to act that way, we know what's going to happen. We just have to, and we're going to have to do a whole show on the pause. We'll yes, call it the pause ask, and yeah, what we pause, do afterwards. Because it's, it's really one of the biggest things. And it's, people want to go say, say it's so hard, but what it costs you not to pause causes so much, can cause so much damage because words are powerful. And what I see in my office, it's mostly miscommunication right? The reason we have conflict is only one reason, and it's because somebody's not getting their way. So when I hear miscommunication, when I have a couple or a family come in, it's usually somebody's not getting their way. It's usually not intentional. It's not like somebody's intentionally picking death words to say over another person. They're just speaking out of their temperament and sometimes out of the weakness of their temperament which compounds the problem. So yeah, it's a choice to pause and to pick life words. And you say that this works with adults and also children. Absolutely. One of the people that that you know very well, that I know very well, that's in my men's group, uh, he shared with our men's group how incredible understanding his son's green temperament was and how it just changed everything. Yeah. Because again, it's that paradigm shift. And we have to realize this man, I think 
you have told me about him before. He's red. A red dad with a green son. God intentionally picked that man to be that son's dad. So there's something in the temperament wiring of that man that is supposed to make that young boy everything God intended him to be. So we have to get out of our own way and let God do whatever he's supposed to do. And that understanding of how do I feed and love that temperament that that I was given as my son, right? So it's that far into the understanding of the temperaments that it's in God's design. Who are we to question God's design, right? So, you know, to have them be exactly who they were supposed to be not who we want them to be. And there's so much truth to that. I I have the privilege of working with middle schoolers. And uh, we just went off to a camp this past weekend. And I used your teaching so (laughs) much during that camp. Things that would have frustrated me in the past, I was able to see past my own mindset. Yep. And see, you know, this kid's yellow. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is he is being as bright yellow as he can be. And I don't need to extinguish that because no. he's not doing something I would do. Right. I need to celebrate that. Thank you for saying that. Celebrate that. I love that's my thing. Initiate the pause. Celebrate the differences and show grace. Because now you could walk up to that young boy and go, you are such a great storyteller. You are so inspiring to the group. How about I put you in charge of these 10 guys to lead well and encouraging them to step up and do X, Y, and Z. You can literally now choose life words to build up exactly approval and acceptance and attention and affection. It's so empowering. It is very empowering. Again, so many questions, yeah. so little time. Oh, we haven't even, the, <laughs> the iceberg with whole thing in parenting and children is another whole topic. I'm sure we've got some people listening that are thinking, I've done this before, and they've heard the word temperaments, but they're still thinking personality they're assessment. Most likely. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've done a ton of these things for sales training. Yes. And what I noticed when I would go to these trainings, it wasn't, how do I choose my words? So they were a gift that I can use them to build somebody else. It was, how can I choose my words to manipulate them to do what I want them to do? Yep. And and that's exactly what I said earlier. Personality, and there's some good tools, but they're only going to tell you about you, right? And that's exactly where manipulation and control is going to is going to come out. But again, if you think about communication, there's two key things in it. One is we listen, but most of the time we listen to respond, which is what will put you in that manipulation mode. We have to learn to listen to understand. If I take that time to listen to understand you, I can hear the words that you speak right out of your temperament. Then people have a tendency to talk at each other because nobody's really truly listening. The They're waiting the to respond, right? And so they think it's a good step if they just learn to communicate, which is the exchange of thoughts and feelings and emotions. Where we're trying to get to, and you've mentioned it a couple times, is I would like you get to the art of communication. And that's when you consciously pick words that are a gift to the person that you're speaking to. And in order to do that, you have to be authentically yourself, And then you have to pause and learn and listen to understand the person that's speaking in front of you or sitting in front of you. Let me tell you, I have salespeople that call me every day and go, I cannot believe this works. And again, if we do things pure hearted without expectation and you're listening and you're really doing and and speaking words that lift that person up according to their needs, I'm going to walk away from you going, gosh, there's something about that guy. I really feel good when I'm around him. Or when I leave, it's such a pleasant experience. Or they're so comfortable to be with. Do you see? It's a, it's a whole different kind of honest, true communication. Again, just so, so many questions. Yeah. Uh, how about we recap where we are right now? Okay. And we'll get you to come back on the show. I we'll would love start to. with where we are now. Okay. And, and, and we'll leave with the pause. Okay. And then what do we do after the pause? So somebody's just heard this for the first time. They're understanding that there is a difference between personality assessments and temperaments and that we're all rooted in our temperaments. They want to learn more about their temperaments. Mm -hmm. what should they do? Well, 
of course, I'm going to tell them to do the assessment in the book. And when you do the assessment in the book, not only because I'm blue, do I want you to read the instructions, but it really is important that they do it just between them and whoever they feel their creator is. Where this can also get messed up in personality is when you don't take the hats off that you wear the dad hat or the mom hat or the employee or the boss or the brother or the sister or the girlfriend, all those hats have to be taken off because you're trying to find out who you are authentically. So then when you go through the assessment that I've written in the book, you want to read all four and you want to pick the one that jumps out at you and you want to do it in order. There's an order to it. So we want to start with, of course, one and then go through, right? If you get stuck on one, immediately cross off the two that aren't you and then reread out loud the remaining two. And I guarantee you one of them is going to jump out at you. But when you authentically do this assessment, you're going to find out how you naturally respond to things. That's where you have to start. You have to start with at least a dominant and then start working from there. Start learning about the strengths and weaknesses. Remember acceptance, then awareness. Then you're going to apply the words that you use. Then you're going to define your innate needs. And then what I usually hear in this fourth step is freedom. When you start hitting authenticity and you're not looking side to side anymore about how people are telling you you need to be, you just are who God created you to be, it's liberating. It's freedom. It absolutely is. Exactly. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for letting the Scaling Up Nation know what a powerful, effective tool understanding temperaments are. And, and, and I, I say tool, that's not the right word that I'm looking for. I mean, it truly was a, a gift that you were able to take something so complex and make it so simplistic that you can use it to understand yourself better, to understand your children better, to understand your colleagues better. And um, again, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for how much you've helped me, how much you've helped my family, how much you've helped everybody that I came in contact with or I continue to come in contact with. Uh, and I've, I just don't know where to go from there, but yeah. thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And, the, and again, the, the, the tool, the book is a tool. So, and, there's, and there's things in there that I use in my office every single day, but the gift of your wiring is truly from God. So... He's just waiting for it to use it. Well, Nation, I know that you have learned something from this interview. I know you cannot see all of the notes that I had for the interview. I always prepare notes, so I have questions and we have a great conversation that you, the Scaling Up Nation, can follow. Well, folks, we didn't even get a fraction through my notes. I have so many questions for Kathleen. I've got so many stories for Kathleen to let her know how what she is teaching has helped me, has helped my wife, Stacy, has helped my company. Folks, we did this study in Blackmore Enterprises and we understand each other better. We're actually able to work within each other's strengths. And because we know what each other needs, because we know each other's temperaments, we're able to speak in that language. And I love how Kathleen put this, that this is not manipulation. This is making sure that you understand the words that other people need to hear. So what you are trying to say is properly heard by the listening party. And she also said that the listener does the bulk of the work. And when was the last time you thought about that? When you're having a conversation with somebody, wow, I now have to listen to this person speak. Well, that's a big job. I need to make sure that I'm hearing them the correct way. And I can't help but think of all the issues that we have in our country where people are just looking for that one soundbite to say that somebody didn't say something correctly or they try to use it to prove a point, whether that was applicable or not. Folks, the sound bites that we are hearing on the news, the little clips, all of that stuff, that is I think, propelling this problem. We really have more in common with each other than we think. And if you can give 
your attention, your care to listen to whomever is speaking, you will start to realize that. Now, Kathleen mentioned a bunch of ideas in this conversation. And again, I've got so many questions for her that we did not have time to do it in just one interview. So here's what I'm hoping happened during this interview, that you, one, saw how excited I was to speak with Kathleen, and I let the nation know how much that it has helped me. So I'm hoping you hear that in my voice, and I hope if you're on the fence, do I look at this, do I not look at this, that you look at it because it has helped me so much, and I know it can help you as well. And you can go on my show notes page and you'll see I'll have many of the tools that Kathleen uses that you can examine for yourself. And here's the cool part. She puts them up there for free because she wants you to use this material. Now, she does have a workbook that I recommend everybody get, and I will make sure that that's easy for you to find. That will be on scalinguph2o.com forward slash I said you heard. So her book is I said this, you heard that. So it's going to be scalinguph2o.com forward slash I said you heard. Of course, all one word. That will take you directly to an Amazon affiliate link. And you will be able to get that workbook and start working through it. Folks, when you understand your own temperament, take it from me, you will understand yourself better. And when you understand yourself better, you can now guide the words better that are coming out of your mouth. And I tell you, how powerful is it when you hear a phrase like every word that comes out of your mouth should be a gift to the people that are listening. Folks, if that does not change your paradigm about communication, I'm not sure what will. I will tell you that I really feel that this podcast is a gift so we can help each other. We can learn more things. We can become better at whatever it is that we do. And I just think that this program, I said this, you heard that, fits so well within that message. Now, folks, if you have more questions, and I'm sure you do, Kathleen's going to be joining us again on a future episode, and we're going to talk about what's the next step. She mentioned a pause, and folks, I know you know what I'm talking about. When somebody says something to you, and you instantly want to lash back at them, but you have a little voice inside your head that says, eh, and that's all I got for the, the eh. And when you get that eh on the inside of your head, that's the pause. Okay, now I've got to choose the words that are coming out. And are they going to tear down or are these words going to build up? That's what she's going to talk about next. Folks, another reason I'm so excited about bringing Kathleen to you is it has really helped how I work with other people. You've heard on a previous episode where I was with Tim Fulton, and we were talking about how not only am I coaching people now, but also we are starting a mastermind group. Of course, a mastermind group is a group of like-minded individuals that are coming together to make sure that you can succeed. And that's the only interest that they have is that they want you to succeed. Sometimes when you surround yourself with friends, you get what friends want other friends to tell you. And that's not what this is. This is where people that are just invested in you because they want you to get better. And if they're going to tell you something that's not nice, they're going to tell you something that's not nice because it's going to benefit you. Well, folks, When we are communicating with each other with this information, you better believe that we are using Kathleen's language because if we are not speaking the way that people are listening, we're not going to get that message across to them. So again, such a powerful tool. I have used it in my company. I'm using it in the mastermind. Of course, the other members of the mastermind are using that. I use that when I coach other people, and I've seen how other people use it as well. And 
it almost becomes effortless that you now can help somebody with the right words. And that person will just walk away saying, wow, Trace really gets me or whomever you're speaking with really gets you. And that's why that is because that person understands temperaments. Well, Nation, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it is December. It is time to start thinking about your goals. Get out your list, see what went well this year, and celebrate that. And the things that you need to work on, well, hey, celebrate that too, because if it didn't go well, there's a reason for it. And if you understand that reason, you can break through that and you can figure out what you need to do next. And I also want to mention, there might be a reason that you didn't get it done. So don't discount that either. Is it still a good goal? And if it's not, well, hey, you realize that and move on. But if it is, use what life is teaching you and figure out how you can get that done. Nation, thank you so much for listening to Scaling Up H2O. I love being able to bring things to you that have helped me so much. I know for a fact that this tool, I said this, you heard that, is definitely one of those things. And I'd love to hear how you have used that. So we're going to be hearing from Kathleen again in a future episode. But in the meantime, you will hear from me next week on our next episode of Scaling Up H2O.